So what week are we on now, Carol? So this episode is going out on May the 17th, and I believe, God willing, in the creek don't rise, I will be frost-free. I think we should explain why we're doing all these ahead, because I'll be back by now. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, went on a, I went on a cruise with Bill and my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law, Maria and Kurt, and we did it for our anniversaries. And we went to Budapest and then went all the way through Austria and Germany and then ended up in Prague for a couple of days. So you were so gracious to record ahead. It was my pleasure. And so in future episodes, I'm sure we'll hear more about the beautiful gardens you visited. Maybe we'll visit some gardens. I don't know. This is a river cruise. This is a whole different type of trip. I'm excited. That you can't not visit a garden, D. I'm sure there'll be a garden in my future. All right. Well, with that explanation, welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on several acres out in the country. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Okay. Hello, Dee. You want my garden update? Yeah, do your garden update because mine's going to be very short. So I should be hardening off my seedlings and I am I am not one to rush them out to the garden. So they will be sitting on the back patio and hopefully with loads of plants that I've been purchasing along the way. My garden club meeting on the 8th is way up on the north side of Indianapolis and we're going to uh, learn about peonies and then hit at least one north side garden center. So I should probably end up with a few plants from that. And then I'm watching because south of me, about 10 miles, there's going to be a new garden center called Miss M's Home and Garden. And it's a like a a new branch of a garden center on the north side. So that should be opening. There's a new garden center in the downtown Indianapolis called Diggs. I think I'm going to be checking that out. But always the first couple of weeks of May, I'm you know going about finding all kinds of neat plants in different garden centers. But, you know, I'm always loyal to Courtney in the greenhouse. So if she's got it, I buy it from her first. I think that's exciting that you um, are getting so many new garden centers. I wish we would get some new garden centers. but As long as they stay in business, it is exciting. Right. I hope they stay in business, too. And it is a hard business to have. So, yes. How about your garden? Guess what I found. I'm going to show you these. And I, I guess my hair looks okay if you decide to do a little snippet. That's my back garden when we first put it in. Wow. I found these the other day. And here it is from another angle. No, that's nice. Totally, you should take totally a different. picture and send it to me. I could put it in the newsletter. I think we should. Um, that's back when it was a vegetable garden and there were and I had um made it from Kitchen Gardener magazine. Oh yeah, I loved Kitchen Gardener magazine back in the day, Taunton Press. And this is when it started to turn into a flower garden. Nice. I still have all my old issues of kitchen gardening. Me too. I went and actually bought more so that I had them all. And here's, um, I will not be, I will not be putting this in the newsletter, but I'm going to show Carol. Here's Bill on the tractor building it for me. Oh, he doesn't have a shirt on. 
He never wore shirts when he was working. So this, and then this is it from the other end. And you can see him up on the porch with her old dog. Uh-huh. It's kind of cool. Kind of cool. I'm glad I took those pictures. I found them when I was going through a file looking for something for somebody. Well, send me copies of some of them or take pictures of them and I'll put them on the newsletter. Okay. That sounds fun. Um, the garden grew way from there. That was my second garden. My very first garden was where the potage is now, but that was a long time ago. And I think they're dated on the back. So that's kind of cool too. Um, other than that, I'm emptying the greenhouse still, I assume when I get back, hopefully it's already emptied before I leave on this trip. And um, hopefully I'll come back and do some more garden coaching because I'll have two weeks off where I'm not doing them. And that's it because I have not been here. So I'm going to guess that there's weeding in my future. Probably lots of it. Let me do a quote. However big or small your garden is, if you allow nature to touch your spirit, gardening will bring returns of peace, satisfaction, and well-being for as long as you continue to wander the garden path. Norman Hansen. And I did not look him up. It's an, Well, that's just a nice quote. He has to be a nice guy, right? He does. Which remind <laughs> you know what? I think I did look him up and there were two. There was an there was an uh an actor and then there was somebody else. And I thought, I don't know which one it is. But anyway, we're going to call this episode Honey I Shrunk the Garden because we're going to talk about <laughs> I wish about, I could shrink mine. <laughs> well, we, I was going to talk about fairy gardens, but actually um my sister had a day off from work and she texted me and she said, "Can you come check out and see what we need to plant at my condo, which means what plants are you going to go buy, Carol, and bring to my condo and I will pay you for them and you will plant them." Which is fine. <laughs> so um, I'm sorry. I just think that is so funny. Oh, but it it, it is. But anyway, um, I do need to find smaller perennials because she's got this little, I, it's all of 18 inch planting area between the sidewalk and the building. And we've put little perennials there before. And we put some that were just a little bit too big. We've put bulbs in there, but I need smaller ones. So I started down this rabbit hole of looking for little Perennials. And if you look for things like dwarf, mini, pixie, petite. So mm -hmm. there's a Agastachi called Little Adder, which grows up to 18 inches tall. That is tiny. So, yeah, for an Agastachi. Now, we tried the big one there and she said it's too big and it got all floppy over on her. So she didn't like it to be big. She wants it to be nice and neat. And they also don't like high fertility. So keep that in mind with it too. It's not going to get high fertility in this area. Okay. Sometimes people plant those and then they give them too much nitrogen and they also flop. Oh, and I've grown Monard, the next one, Monard Petite Delight. What do you it's think? Tiny. It's a good one. It's tiny. I have a I have a dwarf Monarda in my um, flower garden. I thought, you know, I'll have to take a look and maybe it's one that I could dig it up, divide it, and give take some plants over there. Because it's actually doesn't get more than about a foot tall. Okay. Sounds good. I've got two others that I've thought of while you've been talking. Tell me you about them. You hear them yet? Yes. Okay. Before you forget. Petite knockout rose. Yes. Is very petite. It, it only gets this big. Now, you're doing it's that tiny. again where I, our listeners don't know what this big is. I'm sorry. 18 inches. Mine never got above 18 inches. They were kind of adorable. They would be great at the front of a border that is small, like an apartment or a condo. And then the other one is a hydrangea, and I think it's called Fairy Tale Bride. 
and it's a, a little short hydrangea that's about 18 inches tall and it has, it, it grows in kind of a uh-huh. weeping fashion. It's a really, really pretty little. Well, plant. They, they can't be too wide. It doesn't get wide. I've had it for two years. It's, it's just sitting in that little spot being itself. There you go. There you go. But it's cute. I don't get a lot of petite plants because I, I have a giant garden. So, you know, hybridizers don't send them. Oh, I thought of another one. Tough stuff hydrangea. Now that I think there's tough stuff too. And those are hydrangea um, oh, serratas. Yeah. And so mountain hydrangeas. I don't, fairy, I'm going to look up fairy tale bride while you talk. So about I found one. a cone flower called Tweety, which is has yellow flowers and it only is supposed to grow eight inches tall. I thought, well, that might be pretty nice. Uh-huh. Did I mention these? This area gets pretty much full sun most of the time. The one, it's the south side and the west side. So mm. these are pretty sunny, hot spots. The, okay. So the hydrangea won't work there, um, but it might work for somebody else. It's actually been made in order to grow in a pot, although mine's at the front of a border. And I can't see, I'm looking to see how big and wide it gets. Oh yeah, it's too big. It's going to get four feet by four feet according to this, but I'm looking at it on Proven Winners Direct's website and that is not four feet by four feet in that pot. I would say, and it's not new. It's one that's been in there for a while. I'd say two by two, which is pretty small for a hydrangea and it's cascading. So it, it cascades. It's very pretty. All right. But yes, Tweety sounds very small. I, like I would not know how to find it in my garden. We'd get lost in one of my perennial beds, if unless you put it in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a snow-capped Shasta daisy I found at American Meadows. Tops out at 18 inches. Thought that'd be pretty. That would be pretty. Hmm. There you go. Some of the GMs, some of the small GMs would be pretty too. Some of the small GMs. And I was thinking um, my Millennium, Millennium Allium. Oh, the Alliums, yeah. They don't get very big. I thought I should take some of those over there mm-hmm. to plant. Those would be pretty good. She has some uh, liriope that was on the one oh, side, and it's kind of... I hate liriope, but it grows too much here. It's bad here. This is the variegated. Yeah, and the variegated isn't as aggressive, although it's in Oklahoma, people, it's still really aggressive. You'll be digging it out later. I've got, in fact, one of my clients that I saw last weekend for garden coaching... Um, she has variegated liriope. She has, get this, she has, I'm not picking on her, I promise. She has variegated liriope and she has ditch lilies, ditch day lilies, which have rhizotomous stems too. And she, she was like, I can't, these, these lilies are taken over. And I said, they'll do that. So eek. Eek indeed. So she had, so she'd like to get rid of, I think she'd like to get rid of the liriope. It clumps here more, the variegated clumps, um, because she likes things to be fairly even, so to speak. And neat. Oh, I don't and know. These, Your family liking things to be just so? I can't imagine that. Well, the, the, the clumps aren't all the same size. So I know. We're, <laughs> never mind. I think you're making fun of me. I am not making fun of you. I just know you. Okay. You're the person who used to tell me to set my watch to a certain time so that I got back on the bus. <laughs> I did not do that. You did do that until I told you not to anymore. <laughs> but, you know, it is a good idea. Like your trash bag idea for my pots outside. That's smart. Keep going. So what I think I'm going to do, um, 
Because I also think some of the tall sedums aren't that tall, and some of those would do pretty well there. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm going to do is go through my perennial garden and see what I've got that I can just dig up and take over there. So that's that's pretty much it. I just need to find some. I'm going to, I guess, shop in my own garden and see what I can dig up. That's a great idea, Carol. All righty then. That is what I will do. And so now you've got the next quote. And when your back stops aching and your hands begin to harden, you will find yourself a partner in the glory of the garden. That's by Rudyard Kipling. I saw that one online and thought, oh, that is so true, right? That is true. That is one you sent me. So that in keeping with our theme of honey, we, we shrunk the garden, mm-hmm. honey, I shrunk the garden. Uh, we'll talk about this. The other trend that's big is these smaller varieties of vegetables. And we talked about this some last year. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to talk my sister into growing some more vegetables. Mm hmm. But she's filled her little patio up with all kinds of nice furniture. And so she doesn't really have room. And the one spot where there could be a plant, it's kind of out of the way. And so she wants to put a fake plant there. Oh, no, not a fake plant. No, no, no. She's trying to find one that will live outside. She wants something decorative in that corner. Okay. Maybe I'll suggest she get a little statue of some kind instead of a fake plant. That'd be better than a fake plant. But in the meantime, when people think about these little miniature patio gardens, they always think about little tiny uh, peppers and tomatoes. That's what people think of when they plant Mm -hmm. out there. But we shall broaden their horizons. Did you know that there's a dwarf okra? I I knew there were short okras because I've grown some of them. Um, Yes, I did know that. I was trying to look up this tomato from from, uh, online just for one tomato because it's heart-shaped. but. Yes, I know, but I didn't know about baby Bubba though. Baby Bubba. Well, this is the point of this is that every vegetable seems to have a miniature variety, right? But miniature is relative. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, okra can grow like four to six feet tall. Easily. So when they have one that tops out at three feet, they're like, "Oh, that's good for a patio garden." Yeah, it's still a three foot tall plant. Yeah, that's a big. That's I mean, it's not huge, but it's still, you know. Still pretty big. Um, what I have noticed about dwarf varieties of okra and what I've noticed about all the small varieties, they don't produce a lot of whatever. No. So no. they like are on more, deck sweet corn. Right. That's not going to give you a no. No, it's not going to give you a lot of um fruit. But you know what? The people who are growing these usually have like a balcony or a deck that they're growing on and they're growing in pots and they just wanna they just want to grow something. So it's not like you're going to be canning vegetables or freezing them, but who really needs to do that anyway, unless you want to. I have a friend who makes really good salsa and shares it with me. Um, But most of us just want fresh vegetables to eat, but maybe not. Some of us just don't have the room for big, big things. So masterpiece peas. Are they shilling peas? Remember when we saw these? Vaguely. We saw these at Garden Com Conference one year. Mm-hmm. They had them growing in a pot. And it's almost like lace. There are so many tendrils on these things. Oh, that's like the that other so, one I grow that's just got so many tendrils. It's beautiful. So many tendrils. But the peas are edible like in every stage. Although I'm, I'm not big on uh, snap peas. But these this is a kind of snap pea. But you can 
shell it out, I think. But this is one that a couple of years ago, I sort of started some in the center of all my little pots of violas, and then it kind of grows up and just adds a little variety. It's pretty. And, and people I, eat pea shoots. So they're really trendy. Yes, they do. They're trendy um, on top of salads. I was going to say about the sweet potted peas, since you don't like them very much. Um, you know how I like them? Just barely steamed, like just barely steamed. And then on a salad, I've also eaten them raw on a salad and they're really good raw in a salad because then the peas pop out as you eat them. They're quite good. So if you, if you ever have some and you need to try them, that's a good way to eat them because I don't like them when they're cooked a lot because then they get kind of slimy. That's, that is true. The other thing is with the honey, I shrunk my garden, Mm -hmm. vegetable garden that Uh, people will just be like excited to plan after this podcast episode is a lot of things don't really take up that much room like radishes, lettuce, spinach. You can grow those in containers. Japanese turnips. I'm growing those in containers this year. You can grow almost anything in a big enough container. Um, I was going to tell you that there's a couple of tomatoes. I know we weren't specifically talking about small tomatoes, but there's one on Bonnie plants that is called I don't know if I'm saying this right. Ponchi me, P-O-N-C-H-I, and then M-I tomato. And it's a little bitty one. And it's a cherry tomato. So it's not, you know, a lot of cherry tomato plants get huge and then have a ton of tomatoes on them. The one I was trying to find I'm growing and it's a heart-shaped little tomato. I know what you're talking about because I grew it last year. It's the tiniest little plant though, this one that I grew. It is. I'm growing it in the very front of the pot. And then I have two tomato. It's a big pot. So two little bitty pot ones in the front and then the big tomato in the back. And then there's tumbling Tom yellow tomato. um, That is a, there's also a red one and tumbling Tom is one that makes long um, stems and they drape out of a container or like a hanging basket. I've a lot of people grow that one here. Are you talking about heart throb? Heart throb. It is the cutest little tomato, it is. but it is little. It is. It's, it's tiny. tiny. It's a, it is a tiny, 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 tiny. I'll take a picture of it for the newsletter. Cause even though we weren't going to talk yeah. about tomatoes, it's take adorable. a picture for the newsletter. It is adorable. I, I bought it last year <laughs> and I, I didn't realize how small and adorable it was. And so it's only, it's only about 18 inches tall. If that, pretty, if that it's covered with tomatoes, the point I is, I just have to laugh the point every time is, I look at it, but see, I bought it for Maddie. That's the point. Yes, which is the whole point. Like I grow current tomatoes, the little tiny, tiny ones. My sister plants them because her grandkids like to pick the little teeny, tiny current tomatoes. Yeah, Maddie loves tomatoes and she really loves cherry tomatoes. So this will be very fun this year. And the other point is. The other point is no matter how little room you have, if you really want to try to grow vegetables, you can grow vegetables. There's, they're just coming out with new varieties all the time of the, of the miniatures and mixed little dwarfs, pixies, all those. Mm-hmm. And you wrote an article for Family Handyman, which lists several vegetables, mini vegetables and mini fruits. Yes. And we'll link to that. It's your turn to do the next quote before we go to our bookshelf. The book to read is not the one that thinks of for you, but the one which makes you think. Harper Lee. We all know Harper Lee. She wrote one yes, book that matters, which is To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, 
And then years later, after she died, they came out with that ghost set of Watchmen, which I never did I read. So mad. I, I never read that book. I no. bought it and I thought, I'm not reading this book. That's just, it was almost like sacrilegious. You know what? Because when you write a masterpiece, you don't need to write exactly. One book. And actually, Go Set a Watchman was all of her um, information that she had put together for her. You know, you know, like when you're working on a book and you have all that information, and then they just they went ahead and published it. That's all we got to say about that. Let, on our bookshelf this week is The Color of Roses, a curated spectrum of 300 blooms by Danielle Dahl Army. On. Okay, so this book was sent to me by Penguin of Random House, and she is a with her husband. She is an, a Rosarian, and she's award winning, and she owns personally more than forty thousand roses. All right, so she organized it by color, and all the roses were chosen for their subtle color combinations. It's basically a color wheel of roses. And it's 300 full page photos. That would be very interesting because. Oh, it's so pretty. It's just so pretty. It starts at, so there are shades of white, yellow, pink, peach, purple, orange, red, caramel, and even green. So here's, here's how you should use that book, D. Grow those Mm -hmm. 300 roses. If you don't know which 300 to grow, grow all the ones in that book. No, I used to have a hundred and Rose Rosette came in and made my life a misery. I have a. About, I need to go count my roses. I have quite a few now, but not that many. And I will never have that many again. Um, anyway, it is just really great. And um, I have just really enjoyed it because she gives, and some of them are hybrid teas and some of them are other colors. And I'm showing Carol. It's a beautiful book. Because it's very beautiful. And she tells you stats for each one. And so they go from shade to shade. So if you were, here's how I think you should use this book. I think if you are trying to develop a rose garden and you're trying to find a certain color, like say you wanted a yellow shrub rose instead of Carol who wants a yellow climber, you might look up and you might see Royal Doll. There's a rose for Royal Doll. Uh-huh. And I actually grow that rose. Um, and I just turned to it by accident. It's a great rose. It's very disease resistant. It has lovely full petals. The photographs are splendid. And I was going to look to see. The photographs are by Victoria Pearson. And this is actually also 10-speed press. Anyway, if you love roses, if your mom loves roses or your dad or a friend loves roses, this would be a wonderful book to give them because with a rose. Wintertime, huh? With yeah, and buy them a shrub too. Buy them a rose shrub. And then um, and also some fertilizer for it because roses are very heavy feeders. Anyway, it is a wonderful book. I am so glad they sent to me. Might as well get a shovel, too. They're going to have to dig a hole. So buy them a shovel, too. Or just plant it for them. I used to plant it for people. I've done that oh, that's many nice. times. I had a friend who would buy roses for my kids for their first communions. And I still have those roses. I have th- I have three of them. My oldest well, child was nice. already too grown to get one. So, yeah. And they're actually noisettes, the ones that I have. And... I think of my kids whenever I trim them in the spring and whenever I feed them and whenever they bloom. So roses evoke a lot of emotion. And this is a very, you can tell this book is written by someone who loves roses and cares deeply for them all the time. Okay. That's The Color of Roses, A Curated Spectrum of 300 Blues by Danielle Dahl Army Hahn. All right. Do the quote. 
it's my it's been my experience that you can nearly always enjoy things if you make up your mind firmly that you will. That's L. M. Montgomery, author of Anne of Green Gables. Yes, the whole Green Gables series. So our dirt is, I thought this was hilarious. You need to say it because you're the one who came up with it. It's funny. So we always hear about special days after the podcast when it's too late. And so we never think there's all these calendars that, so today when this comes out on May the 17th, this is National Mushroom Hunting Day, which I think it's kind of late for that, but it's also National Walnut Day. And we never really think about that. And so maybe we should think about what the day when we come out, but then there'll be some, some ridiculous day, like, you know, national ice cream truck month or something. I don't know, but you can actually go and, and submit to have a national day created. Mm-hmm. And there's certain criteria you have to figure, um, you have to show where it's been written about or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we have to think of an, our own national day to have, like National Garden Angelus Day. When you say that, it means you're going to think of it because you're the one who's always got the big ideas. Um, I was going to say, <laughs> Not always. there's a calendar and um, you can get a calendar of all the national days and then we could keep up with it. But I don't care enough to do so. I, I don't care enough to do it either. But I was, it's always like the day after I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was national be kind to people whose name is Carol Day. I would have celebrated. There you go. Well, let's just celebrate Carol every day. Oh, yeah. And then we can have National D Day. No, let's not. That doesn't sound right. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> National D Day. <laughs> I think there's All right. only Well, that wasn't D-Day. much dirt. No, it wasn't very but, good. But, you know, dirt. doing these back to back, you know, I had to come up with something. So I'm going to do a quote now. Okay, do it. The foolish man seeks happiness in the distance. The wise man grows it under his feet. James Oppenheim, American author. Okay, let's go down our rabbit holes. So I've been working on potting soils and thinking about potting soils. And I actually, part of this is because, you know, peat moss, we try to use less peat moss. Um, Apparently in Great Britain, they are going to um, outlaw peat moss for gardeners, not for the horticulture industry, but for gardeners in 2024. And so they're trying to, you know, everybody's going to these other types of mixes. I've already been doing that for a while. The The ones you can find in Oklahoma are mostly core. Um, and they have other stuff mixed into like bark and all kinds of things, which actually is better anyway. I think a little, yes. a little perlite. We don't need pure peat moss mixing source. So I found this one brand that was at Lowe's. And I'm going to tell people probably not to buy it. And it's Stay Green or Stay, it's that brand. I I saw they were advertising that brand. And it's very small packages, which are nice. And they're it's dehydrated, but it looks to me like it's a mixture of core. And they won't tell you exactly what it is, but just because I've been around gardening so long, um, when I rehydrated it, it looks like a mixture of core and peat moss and some fertilizer which I don't mind using a chemical fertilizer in pots where I'm not growing food. I don't care. I mean, if it's a flower, it doesn't matter so much because it doesn't get out in my garden. I try to be organic, but you know, there's fertilizer and stuff you buy anyway. So um, like plants. So I really, of the, of the ones I'm buying right now, I still love happy frog the best and happy frog makes several different versions. I bought this stay green and it is so ugly when you rehydrate it. 
that I have my two new roses in it. And so Uh I actually mixed some pro organics mix with this stuff to try to break it up because it's too fibrous. I don't think it's going to be good for the roses. And so, and it's odd how it is when it's watered. So I don't think they've quite got this figured out yet. So my advice is don't buy it. Um, And then I still like Happy Frog. I like Happy Frog's Coco Loco, which is the core one. I like the regular Happy Frog. I like the ocean one, which actually won and we'll link to it. I will go find it. Uh, Or Oklahoma Gardening did a whole trial of potting mixes for two years. Uh huh. And the ocean mm-hmm. one actually won. Now people are going to come back and tell me how expensive it is. And it is, it's really expensive. So if you don't care, well, okay. So organic mixes cost a little bit more and those are organic. And then, but there's miracle grow pro organics, which is really good. I don't like miracle grow, but I like their pro organics. It's re- comes in a black bag. And then the other thing is, um, Black and gold, isn't it black and gold? Yeah, black and gold potting soil. They have both an organic mix and they have a regular mix, but they are still heavily into peat. So that's my rabbit hole. I've been looking a lot at potting mixes because I had to replace all of my pots and I spread all that potting mix in my gardens to not not waste it. And that was a big part of the Gardener's World episode was don't waste your potting mix. When you're done with it, put it in your garden or your compost pile or somewhere. Well, and then also, and this would be the gardener's world that aired on the last weekend of April. So I think it was episode number seven. They talked about how they're getting rid of peat in the retail product. Right. And two things that they said that really stuck out to me because I planted my tomato seeds in uh, some sort of potting mix that was peat free is number one, it doesn't need to be as watered as much. No, it retains water better. It really does, yeah. And number two, they said you'll get little mushroom fungi growing up amongst on the soil. And I had these little mushrooms growing up amongst my tomatoes, and I thought, hmm. But actually, you know, fungi and plants, there's quite the symbiotic relationship, so I wasn't worried about it. I just kind of scooted them off and, you know, pinched them off and threw them away. And that's but what I they said that, to do on I, the episode is just throw away the mushrooms or put them in your compost pile. And the fungi that's in the soil is a good thing. And one thing I show clients when I go to their house, if they use wood mulch on their gardens on top of them, I always peel some of it back and I show them where the mycorrhizae and fungi are underneath the wood mulch. Uh-huh. And they are always like, ew. They do it every time, right? And then I say, but it's good. It's good. It is very good. So it's really good that we are moving away from peat, um, even though it's not easy to do because it is. It is probably better for the plants and it's better for the environment. Yes, peat bogs are really important to the environment because they sequester I've, carbon and other things. I visited the peat bogs when I went to Quebec City with Garden Com, and it's. It's a big business. It's a huge business. Big and so business. they don't want to lose that business. And I get it. I don't think they're going to lose it for a while because the horticulture industry is still going to use it. Although I have noticed this year, especially in some of the plants I bought at the garden center, that these were core mixes. I could tell. You can tell the fiber's different. So anyway, yeah, that, you can that was a huge rabbit hole. And I will link to that um, Oklahoma Gardening Oklahoma episode. I'll go look for it after we record. All right. Well, my rabbit hole is completely different than yours. 
Cool. So once again, I, I read a blog post by somebody who has a blog called Stuck in a Book, and he writes about older books. It's very interesting. But he did, as he called it, an unnecessary ranking of the books of Elizabeth von Arnim, who wrote Elizabeth and her garden, her German garden. Yeah, her German garden. Yeah. From 1898, he ranked that 14th on the list of books she wrote that he knew of. Um, he also ranked The Enchanted April, which is a book she wrote that I actually listened to last spring, recorded or it wasn't recorded in 1922. It was written in 1922. I listened to it in 2022 for its 100th anniversary, I guess. Yeah. I uh, ranked that third. And then he ranked a book she wrote called Christopher and Columbus, written in 1919 as number one. So that one was free on Amazon. So I clickety-click and got that. And it's about these twin sisters that go to America because of the war or something, the First World War. And they ended up meeting with somebody that was making a, a teapot that doesn't drip. And then they open up a tea room or something in the United States. So anyway, it, cool. I'm going to read that next. So that's my rabbit hole. I'll leave a link to that blog post. And uh, interesting comments from people who agree or disagree with his his ranking of her books. And one could make a whole summer out of reading her books. I don't know that I will do that. But um, it is quite the rabbit hole. That is cool. Um, I love that book, The German Garden. And I've also read this Enchanted April or The Enchanted April. I read it a long time ago. It's good. Yeah. So anyway, I, I don't know if I'll read more of her books this summer, but I'm going to start off with Christopher and Columbus. Very cool. So what are you going to do in the garden this week? So I think, you know, this week could be the week of the 17th of May, smack dab in the middle. I'll be doing a lot of weeding, probably going to be planting some um, because we'll be frost free. I do want to get the beds edged in the backyard. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that last fall like I wanted to. So I'm going to see if I can get some of that going. Of course, I'll be mowing and stuff and um, still making the rounds of garden centers, probably looking for this, that and the other. Hopefully by this point. I will have those roses that I want. Oh, I hope so. That is it. That'll be really pretty. How about you? I'll be back just back in town um, because I get back on like the, I think I get back on the 15th at midnight. Um, I, here's what I hope I've done. I'm going to do it this way because people might still need to do this in their garden. I hope that I, before I left, I set up the drip irrigation for the tomato and the pepper pots because it burned up along with the pots, which is what yes. got me started down the potting soil rabbit hole. And then um, I'm going to check. I hope, well, I know I did this. I checked all my drip irrigation on my other pots because I have all of my pots on, well, not all of my pots on drip, but most of them. Um, and then weeding. I will be doing so, so much weeding because when you leave town, the weeds go to town. <laughs> They know. they know. They know you're not there. Evil little things. And I have an aster that is in my lower garden, which is a huge problem. I have tried to eradicate this aster and I'll never get it eradicated. And when I'm long gone from this planet, um, yeah, that aster is going to be living. So only thing that's going to get rid of that aster is a bulldozer. And no, I don't know which variety it is, but I, I hope I never give it to anybody. Um, let's see. And if I haven't finished planting, which... Oh man, I hope I have. I'll finish. The end. 
The end. So let's wrap this thing up. Thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. I hope you've hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. We publish every week on Wednesdays at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review that helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And subscribe to our Substack newsletter, The Garden Angelus at Substack.com, also linked to in our show notes. That's an easy way to get the podcast early. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we're in a small commission and it costs you nothing. Or you can set up a monthly subscription through Buzzsprout or make a one-time donation through PayPal. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the Garden Gate this week. Bye until next time. Bye, everybody.